0: Welcome to DealCast, the weekly M&A podcast presented to you by MergerMarket and and c Intralinks. I'm Juliana Needham. In this week's episode, we're talking about cannabis companies in the US where the drug is on the cusp of federal legalisation. I'm joined by Alan Birdziak, who is a reporter for Merger Market. Hi, Alan.
1: Hi, Juliana. How's it going?
0: Good, thank you. So, Alan, let's start with a big picture. What kind of cannabis-related businesses exist in the US? What do they do? What kind of products do they sell?
1: Uh, so, there's a few different kinds. Um, there's, I guess, the one side, I guess, is the hemp side. Um, where So, hemp's been federally legal for a couple of years now, and that's without the THC, the psychoactive ingredient. And it's mostly... Uh, like tinctures, salves, and oils for like, um, kind of help people sleep or like, uh, therapeutic reasons and so forth. And those are sold. There's a lot of companies that do that exclusively, but a lot of companies that do both with the THC and the CBD. Um, so CBD, um, uh, yeah, they're, you know, everything from a lot of them are e commerce on the CBD side. There aren't a lot of uh, places that are only CBD on retail, but you can also find the CBD products in places like just regular pharmacies and drugstores and so forth. But then with the THC, a lot of those companies are vertically integrated, kind of because they have to be, because the industry is still pretty new. But some of the bigger markets like California, Colorado, and um, <clears throat> I think like Washington, there's a lot of wholesalers then distributors and stuff like that. But, you know, it goes, yeah, they distribute it down. And then in the retail setting, um, you know, they sell anything. There's the the flower products. They also sell, I think, some um, oils and concentrates, vapes, edibles. And then, of course, they have the accessories, you know, rolling papers and pipes and all that.
0: And so, what kind of restrictions do these businesses face? Because I believe that cannabis is legal in some states, but not others.
1: Yeah, it's legal for recreational or adult use, I think, in 17 states right now and medical use in like 38 states. And obviously, they overlap, you know, when of those two things are legal. And yeah, they can't move anything across state lines that has, that is, you know, marijuana or cannabis with THC in it. Um, there's a lot of patchwork reg- regulations like, um, some states are like local jurisdictions will have a limit on how many licenses, like retail or cultivation or otherwise, that a company could own. Um, and there's also, uh, for instance, um, uh, co- public companies in the U.S., they can't list on the NASDAQ or the New York Stock Exchange or the Toronto Stock Exchange for that matter if you, uh, touch the plant in the U.S. So, because of that, a lot of companies that are public that are based in the U.S. or have operations in the U.S. they list on the Canadian Canadian Securities Exchange or the OTC or the Toronto Toronto Venture Stock Exchange. Um, So, um, I think that's kind of a lot of them. There is also, I think, some things that might be missing here, but that's kind of the big ones.
0: But there are expectations that things might be about to change with the U.S potentially on the cusp of federal legalization. Can you tell us more about that?
1: Yeah, um, over the last couple of years, when I asked CEOs about when they think the federal legalization could happen, I think they're probably a little optimistic because they've been saying, I think probably since like late 2019, they've been telling me, you know, next two or three years, you know, it just takes, you know, I guess maybe some, yeah, some legislation and like a a president um, who will sign it. And I know President Biden has indicated that he's, Supportive of, of decriminalizing it, but just the other day, as you might have heard, uh, Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and a couple other senators put out a draft bill to legalize or decriminalize uh, marijuana at a federal level, which would kind of solve all these problems for these companies, where they could uh, ship product across state lines, and they would have access to banking, and they would also um, it would also uh, create programs for people who are affected by you know the war on drugs that you know disproportionately. Affected you know, minorities and people of color, but that bill right now seems to have pretty high hurdle to pass. Right now, it looks like there's um, not a lot of Republican support for it at the t- at the moment, and there's even some Democrats that are on, on, on Sch- in Schumer's party who uh, are skeptical of the bill, or are skeptical of I think just federal legalization or decriminalization um, at the moment. But there's with midterms coming next year. Uh, I think if there's, you know, significant turnover in the House or the Senate, that could maybe change things. Um, There's also another bill that's been proposed a couple times since 2017 called the Safe Banking Act. It stands for Secure and Fair Enforcement Banking. Um, That would that passed the House earlier this year, but it has not been brought up in the Senate yet, I believe. And that would basically just give cannabis companies access to banks and financing via banks, because right now. They're prohibited by federal law from working with cannabis companies because of the prohibition. So that, like I said, could open up a lot of financing and could also spur maybe a little M and A or more M and A uh, in the in the sector.
0: That brings me on to the next question: If the federal legalization does go ahead, what impact will that have on M and A in the sector?
1: I think it will increase it. Obviously, um, there already is significant MA right now, um, but I think some of the bigger companies will probably look at more significant mergers and there will be more Canadian companies and companies maybe based in other countries where it's legal, but I think primarily Canada right now. Um, I think a lot of them are going to kind of kind of want to swoop in and pick up some of the regional players in the U S and like some of the ones in Canada who are able to list on the NASDAQ right now, like this company called high tide They have like 70 stores or so. Um, so they're kind of one of the larger players up there. I think they're gonna to wanna to, they could come in and like I said, yeah, merge or pick up a big player and they could keep their Nasdaq listing. Um in the States, uh I would definitely think that there'll be a lot of companies, especially some of the bigger players out west in, in uh like California, will wanna expand uh eastward and get in like Arizona or try to get a foothold on the East Coast. Um, and then of course there's going to just be newer companies sprouting up and after a couple of years they're going to look to sell um, but yeah I did talk to one executive recently in California in regional um, regional chain of um, uh, retail and also cultivation of, uh, actually vertically integrated and he told me that once federal legalization happens they'd be a good target and that's when they're going to start looking at their exit strategies. so um, I think at that point uh, especially with once that happens, that'll, probably, that'll also solve the financing problem as well. And I think they'll be able to get you know maybe a higher valuation, and the companies will be able to afford to pay what they think their company is worth.
0: And just on that financing, how, how do they get financing these companies if, if banks can't deal with them?
1: Uh, I know these companies cash a lot, um, also stock deals. I talked to an executive yesterday, and he said they prefer to do stock deals, um, which you know obviously solves the problem. I have heard they are able to get debt financing sometimes, but that route, I don't, I'm not 100% sure, like, if they're going to a Canadian bank or who the financer is. There's also other investors, like high net worth individuals, if they could do a funding round that, that gets them some money or, you know, a secondary offering, uh, IPO, private placement, um, stuff like that.
0: But I guess because of that, the industry is seen as slightly questionable well because of the what it offers but also the fact that banks can't deal with it it kind of uh, is a bit of a dent in its credibility so I'm guessing that would change dramatically with the with the potential legalization
1: yeah I think that would that would definitely ease the stigma as you said and make it more more legitimized to um to do business with with cannabis companies and to um yeah be able to offer them financing or, you know, back any deals that they might want to do.
0: And could you see a situation where they are, it could be held in your pension funds in the future if the industry does open up?
1: Oh, potentially. You mean like um, the pension funds that, like the Toronto Teachers Pension Funds or Ontario Teachers Pension Funds that invest in companies? Yeah, I think... um,
0: Yeah, or just internationally.
1: Yeah, or like even just the big institutional investors would would probably be looking at getting in on it because it is... A fast growing industry, even though it's really new. Um, but during the pandemic, since a lot of them are deemed essential and people have like extra time on their hands and they want that stress relief, like almost every company I've talked to, they're like, we, our sales exploded during the pandemic. So it's, and it's going to, you know, kind of, I think stay that way and surging for a while. So I think once all that, yeah, institutional money or money from abroad or what have you can get into the industry, they're going to want. To get in on it while they, you know, while it's still kind of new and fresh.
0: And you touched on some of it a bit earlier, but the how do you see the industry growing, and how will that impact M and A activity on a cross border or international basis?
1: Yeah, um, they're definitely going to, you know, grow any way they can uh, organically and via M and I've definitely seen some companies have done deals down in like Colombia for cultivation. Um, for exporting to where where they can um i think kind of mainly to canada right now um i think they're also waiting to try to, to be able to export into the us there's also companies looking at western europe where there's medical programs in germany and spain and um i think a handful of other countries allow medical use right now so um uh, yeah i think that'll definitely open up for a lot of cross-border i think mexico also would be probably a, a big one i think they recently uh legalized it federally so um and yeah across the americas um I'm, i don't know like what all the the laws are in the other countries around the americas but i think those would be obvious uh places definitely for cultivation too with like the long long summers in central america and in the southern hemisphere near the equator be perfect places where they could do outdoor cultivation with massive grows and scoop up companies there, or start their own operations down there.
0: That's great. Thanks very much, Alan. That was Alan Birdziak speaking to me, Juliana Needham. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Dealcast, presented by Merger Market and SS and C Intralinks. Please rate, review, and follow the podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or look out for your merger market news alert. For more information, check out our show notes. Join us next week for another episode.